Cameron, how are you? Happy, oh my gosh. Happy this week. Yeah, yeah, we made it. We made it. We're halfway there. <laughs> how was your weekend? Uh, it was good. Uh, yeah. I you know, watched the Daytona 500 like we talked about last week. Uh, yeah. uh, pretty controversial finish, but uh, yeah, glad to see they got all the racing in, even though they had to wait till Monday. But uh, yeah, good weekend. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I've got a 15-year-old kid who's NASCAR crazy, and all he did was complain that the race was getting rained out, and he had a whole plan for the race on Sunday. It was really cute. He had brats he was going to cook, oh. <laughs> all this stuff, just so he could watch from his uh, in the basement by himself, but he was so excited about the start of the season, and he's a purist, so even though they ran that race at the LA Coliseum, which he liked, yeah. it doesn't really count in his eyes, because it's not a, po- not a points race after so all. So did he get to miss school on Monday when they ran it because of the rain delay he had off there oh. would have been some very heated conversations if it had not been. <laughs> awesome so i was totally glad uh but yeah it was a good start to the season it's sort of like uh i feel like we're in this transitional period between winter and then the driving season and the spring so i always feel like super optimistic i don't know how you're going about it yeah, well, I mean, I'm getting on the road here after we record this, so I think, you know, I'm... Oh, you're doing a big road trip. You're going down your yeah. early trip to go to the Amelia Island concourse, right? Yeah, I got Amelia on my mind, uh, and mm. so prior to that, I'm going to take like a three-day road trip down there. Uh, should be a great time. I love that drive. The minute you get past Knoxville, it's like in, so a, wait, different, wait, in wait. a different country. You're, you're taking vacation? Are you allowed to take vacation? I don't know. Did I consult my boss? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it sounds like screwing around. I don't yeah, know. Yeah. yeah. I think I think somehow I got uh, a couple of days approved to go driving. Which you know, is, social media is, uh, cam does not sleep. I know. I know. Luckily, we got a great team and we schedule out pretty far. But yeah, so going to go driving. Really looking forward to that. I think, you know, us Michiganders up here in the cold, not a lot of sunshine, uh, really kind of getting out there. It does kind of feed that that sense of optimism that you're talking about. I mean, what a perfect way to say, uh, segue into this is the, you know, you're you're looking forward to getting on the road, a road trip, right? And of course, this is the Never Stop Driving podcast, right? right? This is the podcast for those who love and cherish driving and are committed to keeping um, driving and cars alive for the future generations. So I'm Larry Webster. I'm the editor-in-chief of... Um, Haggerty Media and Cam, I butcher your uh, title every time. Super important, talented guy. Right now, you're running social media, but you've yeah. worn so many hats. You're a great shooter. Thanks, thanks. Uh, now you're doing some video stuff. So, yeah. uh, you know, and just for the audience, you and I share a love for dirt track, circle track racing. Oh yeah, and maybe all motorsports. I would say so, and that's like it's it's a. Uh, I, I think this time of the year is exciting too because that stuff starts to spool up, right? Right. You got IndyCar taking off at St. Pete. You got all these F1 liveries coming out. Wait, wait. This week is Formula One practice. The we first... got Formula One practice this week. <sighs> yeah. A lot of stuff. So I think we're both pretty optimistic and excited for sure. Yeah. I mean, the Formula One start, I get so excited because um, I, I do love the drama of who made a good car. Oh, yeah. And you, it's almost the last series where you get a little bit of that because NASCAR and IndyCar are like, they're so, they're spec, they're spec car. They're all the same. So um, it will be super fascinating to see if anybody's got anything for Red Bull. I don't know. Practice usually doesn't tell us that much. Formula One, they're all sort of keeping their speed close to their vest. There's some gamesmanship there. Yeah, there for is. sure. But you know who's reliable, who's not? And maybe Haas might be quick or, I don't know. It's a good season. A lot of drama. Hard to say, yeah, and I do enjoy the ingenuity that goes into that. Yeah. You know, the aping of you know we 
if you've paid any sort of attention to F1, you know that Red Bull's on a hot streak, yeah. right, with Verstappen and right. sometimes Perez. But I'm curious to see what they've implemented in their car, if anybody apes that, if anybody just carbon copies that. I think we saw that last year a little bit with Aston. Um, so we'll see this year if, if you know, the new Mercedes W whatever it is comes out and it ends up looking like a little more like a Red Bull car. Yeah, the drama is so fascinating because, you know, Christian Horner is under investigation for some sort of poorly defined management practices that are now offensive. And I we don't know the whole story, and I'm sure he's a really demanding guy. And maybe that was the problem, or maybe he was outright out of line. We don't really know. But, like, I find it really interesting because Formula One is so, like, we are the best. This is the best. We send a team in a week before a race just to paint the freaking floors of the garage the way yeah, we want it. Right. So um, I can't wait to see how this, um, what's the resolution, but it could mean the breaking up of really the most dominant team in the last 20 years, which is Red Bull, which is run by Christian Horner, who's the man under investigation. Right. It's yeah. so fascinating to see that those type of allegations kind of circling around. And you know me, I'm a U of M grad. And oh. the allegations that were circling Harbaugh earlier well, in the year. What were they the, like that? The 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 practices and the methods off the field, off the track, right? I see a lot of parallels. They're too between, demanding between Horner and Harbaugh. No, that do you not pay attention to football, man? I'm into cars. Okay, all right. Well, you know Harbaugh, they got they got uh, uh, accused of sign stealing, which was <laughs> right an issue there. And so you know, hey man. What if you're not if you're not cheating you're not going to win or if you're not cheating no, the rest of them no, are you know there's rules and it's pretty clear when you break a rule yeah so but I guess above all curious to see how that relationship works in the long run with Horner yeah. and and Red Bull for sure you know it's the coincidence is in this week's Never Stop Driving newsletter um, I talked about Formula One and how it's really uh, that the technology there is impacting far more things than I think people realize and I re recounted this story I was in a bar. Not too long ago, a friend of mine who's a race car engineer, driver, super talented guy, and we were chit-chatting. And somebody came up and said, uh, hey, I overheard you speak, you know, and, and broke into the conversation. Turns out this person works for this company called Hexel. Do you know what that is? No Nobody idea. does. No idea. It just happens that back at Road and Track, we borrowed a, a show car, a McLaren show car from the 80s that was made by a company called Hercules. Hercules uh, makes carbon fiber. They're out of Salt Lake City. Hercules made the first carbon fiber Formula One car for McLaren in 1981. Oh my gosh, yeah, I know. One of the things. So and this guy says uh, he works for Hexel because I knew that Hexel bought Hercules. And both my friend are like, oh, wow, Hexel. He was like, you know what this is? I was yeah, of course. I mean, who doesn't, you know? Uh, and the reason it came up was he uh, informed me that he's, he was in town and he does a lot of work now with uh, this thing called vertical takeoff and landing aircraft which there's some cross between a helicopter and a plane. Fascinating. Do you, do you know much about this stuff? No, but I, you know, I, <laughs> are you see, going to sleep? I'm in, I'm, no, I'm in social media land. So I'll see like, you know, a reel or a TikTok oh, you of do? like, oh. you know, a takeoff of those machines. <laughs> yeah. Super impressive. Oh, okay. Seriously. I'm not putting you to sleep. I, I thought no, you were I, just joking. I'm there. I'm there. <laughs> Nodding off. So. <laughs> My buddy who's really, really smart engineer and he's driver. He has like six or seven sports car club of America championships really bright guy. He nods and goes, yeah, there's a lot going on in that space. And I'm sitting here like usual, feeling like the fool. <laughs> what? <laughs> what are these things? I, is this the flying cars? I thought that was dead. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of what I thought. So then I dug into it a little bit. 
it's huge. I mean, people spend in the globe somewhere around $500 billion on taxis. No way. Yeah. And that infrastructure is tapped out, right? Even LA is not building any more roads. It's right. like, look, if we, we had another lane, t- traffic change. You know, we got to go it. up now. Yeah, we yeah. got to <laughs> we gotta go skyward. Yeah, yeah. So um, it turns out there's like all the car, a lot of the major car companies, including Toyota, Honda, Porsche, they have bought parts of companies that make these vertical takeoff and landing. Thanks. Oh my gosh. Uh, a company called Joby, it's owned by, uh, partially owned by Toyota, did a test flight in uh, New York last November. It How this flips out, nobody really, I think, can predict because now they, they're really, they're making them uh, electrically powered so they're quieter. Now you have to be able to make these in scale so that it's not just something for the rich and famous that already, they already use helicopters. Right, right. right. And the, the big issue is where are you going to land them? Yep. But here is this thing that uh, most kind of people in the industry say there will be some sort of air taxi service in use by in the next five years. That's exciting. It is exciting, right? Exciting, especially with like, LA traffic. I hate that. Who, who wouldn't? Yeah. I mean, if it's cheap enough, um, it is going to be a lot of hurdles because the regulatory environment for aircraft is quite steep. Yeah. Um, and they had announced that they were going to use vertical takeoff and landing aircraft at the Paris Olympics this summer. But now that's looking like it's going to be in question because the company that said they were going to do it does not have regulatory approval yet. So we'll see. Okay, back to Hexel, oh, yeah. this guy I met. You know, they're they're sort of supplying a lot of the carbon fiber for this and trying to figure out how to manufacture this stuff. So it's cheap because, you know, they're small. They're somewhere between a helicopter and a plane. And you want to get the efficiency of a plane, but with the vertical takeoff of a helicopter. But tons and tons of way more investment in this space than I thought billions and billions over right, the past few right. years. Yeah. Well, where's Musk in all this? Is he, has he, has he raised his hand? Is he going to be a power That's player? That's a I great mean, question. I'm going to have to, uh, revisit this because nothing came up. Musk may be saying he's, you know, he's in robotics and space yeah. and cars and man, we're good. But yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Oh, he's also building a tunnel. Yeah, right. right? The tunnel. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so boy, he, the he, third he, axis. That's exciting. You yeah. Know? Let's I, go skyward. I guess he should be somewhere in there. Um, and I, I, this is so indulgent, but I was on a press junket once with Mazda to the Goodwood Hill Climb. Right. And um, this is where I thought, this is the most amazing thing ever. They had helicopters land at that hotel, and they took us into the, the, the grounds. So we didn't have to fight any traffic. Nice. You were in and out in 10 minutes. Most decadent, fantastic thing I've ever seen. You know, like that actually, the whole prospect of this doesn't get me excited in the way that like I would use it. I don't, I don't really like well, to be because, up in the air, but what you do, you take out all the people that don't want to be driving and now we get more clear roads, right? Oh, that's ultimately I, that's what I'm thinking is like, if you're, yeah. you know, LA sprawl and LA congestion, yeah. you take a third of those people and put them up in the air that don't want to be driving. Right. Oh my gosh. All of a sudden traffic flows so much better. So that's I would, really I would point. love that. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Well, it all yeah. comes down to what it costs. Right. And right. if they can produce these things cheap enough, if they can power them cheap enough, if they're that efficient, then uh, more people can take them. If they can design, um, you know, lanes in the air that multiple can fly at different altitudes. I mean, there's a lot to be worked out. And I mean, this is where you really need an agency, in my view, like the FAA, the Federal Aircraft, whatever it's called, yeah. to really be on top of their game. 
to figure this out, to enable it, but also to make it safe because the potential for disaster. Is Haven't we been high. dealing with a shortage in pilots as well already for commercial airlines? Yeah, so, they'll I mean, have they, to address so that. So you'd have to address that. I mean, yeah, they, they, you know, the you hear these talk of like just like you hear autonomous cars will be autonomous uh, air taxis. That is like way down the road. Sure, and it's just public acceptance. Like I, I don't know if I would just get in one of these without a human in it. Um, right. Maybe I would. Right. I or no, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> right. yeah. I think about it. Yeah, I think about that with my own, like with Lyft and Uber. You know, as I'm taking that around. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. Should I be vetting the drivers more? You know, should I be looking into their profiles? I so willingly, after you know, a night at the bar, hop into a Lyft without vetting anybody and you know i mean i think about yeah. that all the time well there i think the big difference is is you have a mutual mission yeah and that mutual mission is not to die <laughs> so you sort of say but you're unifying that's what i say when i get into the car hey let's not die <laughs> yeah. get me home yeah <laughs> i used to say when i was in new york when, uh, and this was in the early 90s when it was still pretty lawless so you'd get in a cab and you'd hold up those a, were yellow back then they right? were yellow okay. yeah they were <laughs> and, they, and you'd hold up a 20 to the a twenty dollar bill to the the partition, which was clear, and you'd say, "Look, there's an extra twenty, and if you break eighty five, really, <laughs> and then you'd get pinned in your seat. Oh my god! And gosh. they would floor it, and never missed it. They'd always break it. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, uh, what else you got in the newsletter? Well, so this is uh, you know part of this really radical transformation of transportation. Like it's kind of fun. I know we focus on classic cars here at Haggerty, right? right. The Haggerty Drivers Club is all part of cars and car love and preservation but we love all this stuff so we're covering it pretty regularly and it's it's really uh i'm gr I'm grateful to be at this to be around at this juncture where everything's changing sure. and so sort of as part of that i keep my eyes wide open i don't judge anything i think there's lots of solutions i don't think it's a zero-sum game you know mm -hmm. just because there's evs doesn't mean the gas car is going away i mean there they may switch the, but and to that end, I, I interviewed on, on this week's podcast, and we'll get to it really shortly, um, the owner and founder of a company called Sacrilege Motors. I like the name. Right? Nice, nice. And what they do is they put um, electric motors in vintage air-cooled Porsches. Okay. All right. right. So I'm hearing that, <laughs> and immediately I'm thinking about my dad. What your dad You say? know, working on his hot rods up there in northern Michigan. Yep. And now you're taking a, you know, uh, a Porsche yeah, and you're marrying it to an EV yeah. motor. Are they going to be that cool? Or like, what's, what was the vibe off of that? Well, wait, interview? you didn't tell me. Like, your dad is like our stand-in audience. Like, I love your dad. Like, your dad is, he's, you know, he sort of represents this, this everyman persona that's pretty typical of our audience. And what yeah. do you think he would say? Blue-collar engineer, builds yeah. hot rods. I mean, that's yeah, the exactly. reason why, why I'm here at Haggerty, right. for sure. Yeah. Um, I think he would say that. I, but still, you know, I think one of the best parts about our space and one of the best things about my dad is, you know, when I pulled the MG up in the driveway, he was like, oh, cool. I never thought about that. Like he's he's accepting. And I oh, even and though he's an American car van. Even, yeah. He had never had any type of foreign car roll up in the driveway <laughs> in an MG, which isn't even that foreign, like rolled up in the driveway. Well, it's like, made in England. Well, yeah. OK, yeah. that's cool. OK, so I, I think, you know, that's what I love so much about this space mm -hmm. is that everybody is exciting. And ultimately if you're passionate about rolling cars on wheels. And so like, I definitely think he would say not my speed, but I think he would be accepting of it. Yeah. I mean, this the discussion went in places I really didn't expect. Really? And, uh, 
you know, because the uh, Phil, Phil Wagenheim's his name, he, he absolutely recognized that to a lot of people, this is uh, a wrong thing to do. And that's why he called his company Sacrilege. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's been successful in other businesses. So he wanted to start this. It's uh, very much a premium product. Uh, and he's had multiple, multiple cars. He's a total car person. He loves driving. He goes to Lime Rock all the time. But what he said was like, this is a, it's a different experience. It's not one or the other. It's both. And he said, uh, we, you know, it took many years to develop this car. He feels very proud of it. I'm going to hold him to it and go drive one of these this summer. Cool. Um, just because I want to experience, and I've been in enough electric cars to know that there's parts of it that are super fun. Yeah. And What's the best EV you've been in? I mean, so as far, in terms of production car, those Teslas are really impressive. Okay. I mean, they handle really well. They're fast. They're quiet. You know, I know everybody yeah. uh, rails on the build quality, but please. I mean, I also took some time in the Rivian, mm -hmm. really like that as well. I mean, it, it's just sort of like you got to remember what you're using it for. And a lot of these classic cars, Phil pointed out, right? They don't go that far. Yeah. Like, I know I use my cars and I travel with them, but we know based on, you know, the people we insure, they don't take their cars very far. Oh, my gosh. To go back to my dad, it, those yeah. cars are for post office runs. Oh, right. Exactly. Ice cream runs. Yeah, right, about yeah, it. yeah. And, you know, a lot of these cars, like I often think like, okay, if I had a, a first generation Bronco, let's say I had so much money in my fantasy land that I had a second house and I left it up there and I didn't want to think about it. Right. Um, and now if it's a gas car, as soon as I show up and I want to use it the next day, I got to figure out is the battery charged is the fuel old has the, uh, did I not drain the float bowls on the carb carburetor or is it all gunked up? Cause I've been there. I've got old motorcycles. Yeah. I drain all this stuff, uh, when I'm not driving, you know, mice like air cleaners too. Are the mice in it? Yeah, all that right, stuff. Right. So with an EV, you just kind of leave it plugged in and you know that thing is more likely going to turn on after sitting for nine months. Sure. And I think that's the way, you're not going to drive that thing very far anyway. So if somebody really wants the style and the look and all that stuff, why wouldn't you want an electric? And there's already companies, there's a company in, and we know EV West is converting a lot of these cars out in South California. Right. There's a company in uh, the UK that builds conversion kits for rovers and mgs and even minis yeah so it's already happening but what about the noise that's i mean the the biggest hold up in all of this i right. you know i love the convenience the power all that mm -hmm. but boy the noise and you talk about it like mm -hmm. a first gen bronco 302 straight piped oh my gosh that noise yeah you're you giving know? that up so i mean are you okay but okay let's say you do it to a beetle you get to miss the sound of that car. <laughs> sewing machine? I'd rather have it silent than a sewing machine. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it depends on the car. It depends on the person. You know, right. uh, Phil is, and you'll hear it in the conversation. It's really fun. I mean, he says, look, we we, we really went through the entire car. Because mm -hmm. one thing I don't think people really realize is once you get rid of the engine sound, then you hear everything else. Oh, my gosh. And yeah. what do you hear? Cracks and rattles and creaks and all this stuff. Because, you know, cars move and twist while they go down the road. Right. And. So there's that to, and he says that they've taken care of that, and their his cars that they're building are practically seven figures, so they're pretty much at the top end. Wow! But uh, it was fascinating to hear his take on it, why he feels so passionate about it, what does it mean for the future, what does it mean for keeping these cars on the road, and it's just way deeper than you thought. So, you know, maybe we should just use that to cut to it and uh, give awesome. it a listen, Cam. I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, yeah, I'm excited to excited to learn about Sacrilege Motors. Yeah, yeah, me too. I hope everybody gives it a listen and uh, please subscribe. Please rate this if you like it. And uh, okay, here's Phil. 
Hey, everybody. Uh, I got a really special guest today. It's Phil Wagenheim. He is the CEO of Sacrilege Motors. Uh, this is uh, going to be such a fascinating conversation because, you know, Phil and I are kind of mortal enemies because he's taking motors out of Porsche 911 and putting electric motors in them. So, Phil, tell us about Sacrilege Motors. What is this nonsense? Yeah, so it's a great question, and I appreciate it. And that's why I called the company, or we, my partner Bobby Singh and I, called the company Sacrilege Motors. Mm. It is sacrilege. What we're doing inherently is, but it's so much fun, and it is so amazing. I'll get into kind of the detail, yeah. but I'll tell you how it all started. So it all started with, I've got, go ahead, you were about well, wait, to say. I mean, just back up. So that's what this company does, is it does EV conversions on sports cars. So we actually take, let's call it 80s and 90s, 911s, 964 and G bodies, and we convert them to 100% electric Got it. with a full conversion, but more importantly, bespoke um, concourse grade restoration and customization of all the parts, anything that is not specifically Porsche OEM is upgraded and I can go into further detail. Okay, so you make a crazy, beautiful, highly detailed, big craftsmanship electric conversion of these 911s. And uh, now that's really not, you're, you're not in the car business, right? You and I spoke before, you came from the finance world. You've, you've, you've led a bunch of IPOs, You've been a banker, you've been a Payne Weber, you've been your own person, but always a car person, right? You love these things. And I think that the story, I'm going to just preempt you a little bit. You had one of the best all-time cars ever made, 993 Turbo, right? Yes, that is right. Okay, tell us about that car. Not had, I still have. Okay, how long did you have it? Because it was great. You drove the piss out of this thing, if I remember right. In fact, I can show you. So this is the valve. You can see all those little black lines? The engine valve, yeah. Those are uh, cracks in my valves. And right now, so I'll give you the background. So yeah, the background gotta, is, so I've had a 1996 uh, 993 Turbo yep. since 1997. And Bobby Singh, my now very good friend, has been maintaining that car since 1997 at Manhattan Motors, then Manhattan Motorsports that mm. he created himself, and now at Skip Barber's facility right outside of Lime Rock. Got it. So that is a brilliant car. You must have had a lot of fun with that car. How many miles did you put on it? So I've got well over 100,000 miles. This wow. is my second engine out maintenance on it. I've got car graphics in it. I've got a updated Bosch VCU. I've got, you name it, 100-cell catalytic converter. I am an air-cooled Porsche enthusiast fan, and I understand what we're doing to some is sacrilege. I get it. So the story is you took that car in for service, and you saw those, those uh, I don't know, were the exhaust or the intake valves, or all of them were all cracked? So there, I've cracked them all. So I'm, a, as Jerry Seinfeld says, when you die and you go to heaven, he with the least miles loses. I'm a huge fan. These that cars are meant true. to be, these cars are meant to be driven and they're meant to Couldn't be driven wrong. hard. Yep. There's nothing like getting to that tunnel and rolling down the windows and hitting the gas and listening to that engine purr. I'm all about the vroom vroom. Mm. What I don't like about air-cooled cars is the 12 to 14 quarts of oil 
that are trying to escape every day of every week since the car was made. And eventually rubber goes and the gaskets go and the sure. everything goes. So ultimately this is my second engine out. So if you're, if you're okay with it, it's a little bit of a story about how sacrilege was started, but it all comes down to this 993. So after 25 years of owning it, you had to take the entire engine out, basically rebuild it. That was a very high performance engine, twin turbos. I want to say 450 horsepower from the factory. So, Looking at you, knowing you, you probably had a chip in it, boosted up oh to yeah. 650. Oh yeah, of course you did. Not not <laughs> 650, but I got everything out of it that I could right. without increasing the size of the motor, which sure. we are doing now. We're taking it from a 3.6 to a 3.8 as we speak. Yeah, and I can imagine you going up the sawmill, foot to the floor, top a third. I mean, that's a really fun, curvy road. People don't Hypothetically. Really know. Hypothetically. Hypothetically. <laughs> right, absolutely. Like in your dreams, this is what you're doing. So that's this right. engine, you had to take it out, totally rebuild it. I imagine, what is that, a $50,000 bill? It's something in the forty to $50,000. Right. To do it, not just to do it, because a lot of people will do it, yeah. but to do it right, sure. where you know it's coming back the way that it should, that yeah. OEM spec, that's a Bobby Singh. Okay. So you've, luckily you found somebody in Manhattan that you really trusted, did good work. So you had this thing and, and it came up to your second engine out rebuild. You're looking at the bill and you're thinking, there's got to be a better way. Is that where I'm coming? So, so it, I'll jump in because it was a little bit more. It's during oh. the pandemic. Let me, let me make the scene. Sure. I'm sitting in my office. It's during the pandemic. I want to go for a drive and I'm Literally, I need some some getaway alone in the car where I could take a 45 minute hour drive and just go balls out. Totally and literally it's smoking out of the right tailpipe and there's oil leaking on the ground. And I look at it and I'm like, OK, F this. Excuse my French. Mm -hmm. And I call up Bobby, who is now a personal friend for the last 27, almost 30 years. Mm -hmm. And I say, Bobby. Let's convert this thing to EV. And Bobby says, Phil, you're an asshole. I go, that has nothing to do with anything. It's true, but I we've got to do something. I'm a sick of the smoke, maintenance. A little oil leak, and, and you're throwing in the towel? 25 it, years of history you got with this car? It was enough. It was one of those during the pandemic frustrations, right? Oh, okay. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, in the, yeah. I'm in the house with my kids all oh, day, God. every day. Kids, I got a yeah. nut. Oh, Love them. Love my children. By the way, you see <laughs> this thing there. right here? I yeah. got that this morning from one of my kids. I love them. <laughs> right before this podcast, I'm yeah. bleeding from my temple. It's great. Yep. Um, cut to the scene. Bobby says, look, you've always wanted an 89 turbo cab, which I have. Product of the 80s, born in 1970. That's sure. my car. Yeah. And I said, and he said, why don't you get an M491? And M491 is a turbo look because we're taking the engine out if we're doing this ev conversion he says get an m491 and let's do it with that and let's oh keep your car right i'm like i love it because i happen to love and to your point the 993 to me the 993 turbo is the single best car that mm -hmm. porsche ever made that's just car. my opinion um so i say okay bobby i'll call you back call bobby back 15 minutes later okay the car will be there on wednesday he goes, what do you mean the car will be there on Wednesday? I'm like, you told me to get an M491. I've got it. It's going to be at your shop on Wednesday. Now let's figure out how to do this. Wait, wait, can we pause there? That's pretty yeah. amazing. The M491 was an option package from Porsche. Yeah. So you could get all the 
wide body on a regular 911. They are not common. We're, you found it like that. And everybody was buying cars in the pandemic, too. I am a Google internet research guy. I, I do deals. And when we do deals, I need to get educated. Like I tell people, I, I'm on the board of a biotech company. I play uh -huh. a doctor on TV. Now I play a mechanic on TV and I play a car <laughs> dealer on TV. So I do too. Yeah. Ultimately, I figured it out and I figured yeah. it out quickly. Saw a car in blue. Doesn't matter what it is because I'm going to change the color. And it was in good shape. It looked fantastic. I'm like, Bobby, does this work? You know what? I, I didn't hear back from him quick enough. So I just pulled the trigger. <laughs> I'm that guy. Hey, Bobby, Merry Christmas. You got those batteries yet? Here it is. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Wait, so that leads to the next issue. Yeah, there is no one. And again, I don't want to disparage anyone, but the type of quality that Bobby Singh does. So Bobby's got a 959S in his facility with an engine out. He's got a 959 sure. with an engine out, a Carrera GT with an engine out. Mm -hmm. He literally is one of the best mechanics on the planet, in my opinion. That said, there is a level of quality work that a true Porsche enthusiast demands from what is being built. And Bobby will not let anything leave his shop that isn't perfection. That said, there is no one in America right now, in my opinion, that is doing a full restoration conversion properly. Okay, so you wanted an EV conversion, and I mean that, that's one thing, right? You're gonna have Bobby do build one of these for you, and then there was step one. That's step one. Then step two. Now you're like, well, we're gonna make a business out of this. Was that at the same time, or did that come later? So what I found out in doing my research. So now Bobby's like, okay, we have to figure out a solution. We have to figure out a solution how we're gonna do this. Sure. Because there's a lot that goes into an EV conversion. Yeah. Then there's also a lot that goes into how you're going to support all that power in this car. So ultimately, you can put 500 horsepowers of electric full torque in. But in a G-body, you've got a torsion bar. That's not good. In a torsion normal bar torsion bar suspension. In a normal 996, or excuse me, a 964, it was, you know, you've got 200 and something horsepower in that thing. Maybe 300 and change tops. I see. Now you're giving it 500, and you're giving it 500 newton meters of torque. And by the way, in our system, that's tuned down from 680 just to keep the wheels on the road. I see. So you're saying you could, uh, you know, the suspension mounts were the rear control arms and trailing arms bolt up to the body, they're made for a certain amount of torque or twist. And now you've doubled it. There's usually a safety factor in there. Now you're, you know, who knows? You're in a danger zone, very likely, is I think what you're saying, yeah? So there's, there's two components to the EV solution. It's the EV solution, the powertrain, battery, mm -hmm. BMS, all of that stuff. And then there's all of the added components that mm -hmm. are mandatory to be added to the car, the Brembo six piston brakes, the biggest brakes we can put in there, the custom, and we can talk about that. Bobby spent four months 
creating a custom suspension with Penske, 15 different coils going through them, trying them on Lime Rock and realizing this doesn't work, this doesn't work, this doesn't work, to get to a three-way adjustable reservoir shock in the rear and a two-way inverted customizable um, shock in the front. But these are shocks that have never existed in history. Bobby and Penske created geometry to make this work in this 964. And it is, I can only say legendary. It is, we have put people in the car mm-hmm. as, and we can talk about it later, but we put people in the car and the giggles that come out of the, these are Porsche air-cooled aficionados, guys that are like, there's no way I'm getting in this car. This mm-hmm. is sacrilege. What you're doing is terrible. What you're doing is wrong. They get in the car and they're giggling around a corner. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So you didn't just make it uh, electrically powered. You you adapted every inch of the car so that it would work. It would opt. You were optimizing the entire car for this new electric powertrain and the characteristics of it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Bobby is a race car driver. Yeah. He's a race car tuner. Mm. He comes out of uh, aerospace engineering from Pan Am back in the day. And then was the lead tech in Porsche at Manhattan Motors in New York City, then went out and started doing it himself, all the while hundreds of races around Lime Rock. Sure. He, is, he is one of the most impressive guys in the field, in my opinion. So, you, yeah, you got your prototype. And then when did you decide, hey, we're going to make we're going to do this for others? Well, so the Blackbird is actually the first production vehicle. And that's we have, your convertible you're talking about. That is, that you is call it a, the Blackbird. Okay. It's called the Blackbird. It is a 964 America Roadster, one of 250 cars in the world. Everyone loses their you-know-what when I say that, but it was Tiptronic. So take that for what it's worth. We for, yeah, took, yeah, that gives you total license. Do whatever the hell you th- want. I mean, Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate <laughs> it. I'm not saying it. You said it, not me. That said, we... we uh, showcased it on the concourse, the concept lawn at Pebble Beach. Yeah, that's where I met you. And yeah, that's right. And that's where we debuted. Um, we've been to the bridge and uh, we intend to continue. We have our second car is coming online in about a month and a half, two months, which is called Enigma, which is going to be a wide body coupe sunroof delete. So you have a, is that for you or your, I guess what I'm trying to get at is like, when did you decide, like, we're going to build a business out of this rather than just my custom one-off or a few of my buddies? So it's an interesting question. So what basically happened in doing my research, typically I like to get in front of the market in terms of, I tend to be an early adopter in technology. Mm -hmm. And I realized that there's no one doing this. And when there's an absence doing or, what, I think you got to specify what you mean, because there's EV conversion companies out there. I think you're yeah. saying that the, the, the top to bottom, totally custom, hundreds of thousands of dollars special car. I appreciate that. Yeah, that yeah, is exactly okay. what that is exactly what I'm saying. And thank you for clarifying. Sure. It is the full bespoke restoration and upgrading of all the components mm. and EV conversion that maintains 
the drivability, the familiarity that you and I love about the air-cooled era is intact. Everybody says it has no soul. I think new cars have no soul. I think computer screens have yeah, no soul. Yeah, I don't soul. buy that. I'm with you. I, That's baloney. So yeah. ultimately, this thing has analog gauges, has the airplane gauges that you expect in an air-cooled. We put in the, the Porsche Communication Center. That's yep. really the only true screen. Other than the MagSafe charger in the middle of the dash that holds your phone so you don't have to, if you've ever driven an air-cooled, they've got all kinds of accoutrement that you can put on to hold your phone. Now it's charged in the middle of the dash. Yeah, I mean, this would be super exciting. You know, if you've driven these, uh, even the, the turbo models of the 80s and 90s, you know, unless you really were driving them hard, they were asleep. You know, they yeah. don't have much low-end torque. So now you've put That's this right. electric motor in, and the beauty of electric motor is instant torque at low RPM. So you touch it, it's probably gone. So it's a whole different experience. Plus, you have the, you know, the the weight all the way in the back. There's a very unique feeling of these cars, which um, I haven't driven one, but, I, but I'd be pretty excited to try one. So, um, like, we're talking, the way you speak, it's like, this is, I mean, give me a little bit of, like, how big is the battery? I mean, we know it's it's going to be really powerful. The numbers almost are meaningless, zero to 60 in two seconds, whatever it is. But will they go 100 miles on a charge? Is it got enough battery in it to do stuff like that? Or how do you, how does that It's another great work? question. So let me correct one thing. There's yeah. batteries in the back and there's oh. batteries in the front. Oh, okay. So you basically have perfect 911 weighting. Yeah. So it is literally 200 pounds lighter than stock. Oh, it is fantastically weighted. You have 63 kilowatt hour batteries. You've got 200 miles of range. If you drive like Miss Daisy, mm. if you drive like you or I would, you probably have 175. Mm. And it is the most exhilarating drive I've ever experienced in a 964. Yeah. We've had people get in it and claim it's the best 964 they've ever driven and get a lot of heat for it. So uh, being ahead of the market, it's kind of funny. I think you're onto something there because you just saw that thing with the um, actor from Hawaii, Jason, somebody just electrified a Rolls Royce. You probably saw sure. that. Sure. What's his name? Amosa? I mean, I'm yeah, I'm a, on pop culture. something like that. Something yeah. like that. Uh, and then, you know, Robert Downey Jr. has a whole um, TV Sleep. show yeah. where he's electrifying his cars. Because he kind of likes cars. So, I mean, your cars sound like they're a very special clientele because they sound expensive. Yeah. So there, yeah. if you use the Blackbird or use that as a benchmark, yeah. the Blackbird came in at 850000 Wow. So in order to do this right, it is not an inexpensive endeavor. To just throw in electric batteries and throw in uh, a sure. motor, that's yeah. one thing. Yeah. But to alter the safety profile to be in line with all the power that you put in there yeah all the torque that instant torque you need significant upgraded everything everything sure and these you could fast charge these things on a level two yeah that's great so one of the big things we, we actually partnered with a company in the uk called felton and Felton helps us and produces the core components to the system, the batteries, the motor, the BMS, and mm -hmm. all of the, the VCU and so on. Mm -hmm. But we've then further perfected it with them and customized their system for sacrilege. For example, I have a laptop next to me. Yeah. 
-hmm. That laptop literally plugs into the VCU and I can control all of the aspects of the drivability of the car. Mm -hmm. I can reduce or increase the regen. I can increase the pedal feel. Mm -hmm. I can reduce the onset of power. I can reduce the torque and so on. But going back to your, your point, yes, level two charging. I actually have stuff up on the Instagram. I took it to a 350 uh, kilowatt charger, pump it in. I'm literally getting two plus uh, percent a minute. It's not as good as some of the the kind of uh, OEMs, the Teslas yeah. and so on, but 2% a minute's pretty quick for a car from 1992. Yeah. So you're getting there, you're kind of solving that too. I imagine, you know, the thing that comes to mind is what people don't realize is a lot of our old cars, the uh, powertrain and the noise and the clatter masks all the creaks and groans. And, you know, knowing what I know of you, I don't know you that well. I bet you that would drive you insane. And so- so that was I come part back, of the process. I come back to, to Bobby. Yes. I come to Bobby. Bobby, there's a sound right there. Right there. Fix it. <laughs> Bobby's like, oh, I know what that is. Or the, I don't know if you're aware, but if anyone's driven a 964 convertible, there are springs on both sides of the top. Oh. Those springs in the cold twang. Really? And I'm like, Bobby, what is that? Something's wrong with the convertible top. He's like, no. That is no, it's, it's always been there in the cult. So we dampen the twang. Yeah, I do see. I mean, this is way above me, but I, from what I know of the stratosphere that you're playing in, right. The advantage of going to you would be like, you're going to sweat the details for me. I want it perfect. I want it perfectly nice. I don't want to go through like all the, 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 the stress of finding it and going back. I want Phil and Bobby to make sure it's perfect before I get it. And that's what you're serving, right? Bobby won't let the car leave the shop mm. unless it's perfect. You're going to pay for it. That's, but, it. that's yeah. it. How so we you- also custom tune the car for the driver. So yeah. we'll take you to Lime Rock. And we will let you run the car. You want to increase regen, decrease regen, increase pedal feel, whatever you want. Sure. Increase power. It, we've got two modes, chill and sport. Sport is literally like a rocket launch. Chill, I recommend taking it down for everyday driving around. It still will snap your neck to the back of the chair, but we don't need to unlock all the power. Yeah, You want to unlock it all? Put it in sport. You know, the thing that um, I'm excited to drive one of these, and I'll be out there this spring at the Greenwich Concourse. I'm hoping we can meet up and I can just take a quick buzz in one. Uh, Because... um, when I heard of these EV conversions, which are growing in popularity, I thought makes a thousand percent sense. And what popped in my mind was Land Rovers and Broncos and sort of those vintage SUVs that somebody's got in their house in Tahoe and they go there after six months and they just want to go get a cup of coffee with it. And they hit the starter and it doesn't, it, the battery's start. dead or the gas yeah. is old or whatever. So make those EV, I just seem like this is such a no brainer, but that's why what you're doing is kind of fascinating to me because, you know, and I understand that's why you called your company sacrilege, but the flat six air-cooled Porsche engine is one of those characteristics that say what makes the car special. And what you're highlighting is like, no, actually, there's a whole lot of other stuff to the car that makes it special beyond the powertrain, right? I'll tell you the most important aspect of the 911 that makes it oh. special, and it's the cornering. So I'll yeah. never forget, I'm in my 993, I'm doing 130. Uh, hypothetically doing 130 plus and a a viper pulls up next to me Mm -hmm. and he blows by me close course exactly blows by me with authority 
And I literally, I'm just like, I'm, I'm, I'm destroyed. He pulls up next to me and he, I go, great. You know, you got a lot of speed, blah, blah, blah. He goes, but I can't beat you in the corner. And that's the answer. What makes a 911, mm. what makes the Porsche so special is, yeah, the straightaway, you're going to get beat by some muscle car, but get me in a corner and I'll destroy them. Mm. And that familiarity that the air-cooled cars have, if you know them, is what Bobby has maintained with sacrilege. Got it. And that is the critical component that had to be achieved to justify doing this for others. So what do you see as the market for these? You've probably seen the photos like the, you know, the prototypical 911 resto mod company is called Singer, right? Yeah. And they've got, sure. they've, they've shown these photos of a facility in Torrance. It's it kind of looks like a factory, right? They've announced they're going to build 400 of their, uh, you know, initial 964 resto mods. And then they've got these other ones coming. And those cars are pretty close to a million bucks when they walk out of the door. And more, um, more. or more. Yeah. So, I mean, what do you see is the demand? What do you think you guys can produce? Are you thinking we're going to do five a year, maybe? I mean, how do you, you're very profit uh, driven. Sure. You're not going to do this as a charity. Um, tell us how you see this business growing and what the demand is. So I see this as a simple calculation. Ultimately, demand will justify the existence. Mm. And we haven't put anyone in the car. The people that we have put in the car, guy, Steve Katz. I don't know if you know Steve. Oh, Steve man. holds the he Steve holds the track record at Lime Rock Ooh. that he achieved back in 1919. 19, uh, sorry. 2017 and he did it in a 996 this is the track record in a 996 cup car not the overall but in a 996 cup car 54.741 i think i know that guy because he wheelies it up the uphill he's huge. doesn't he <laughs> he's actually enormous he's about six five or six four yeah he's like an insurance business or something like that he's in the insurance business yeah yep. yeah i know yeah, this yeah, guy yeah. yeah steve so okay. steve didn't want to get in the car He's like, no way, Phil. You know, I don't like electric. It's not my thing. He got in the car and literally said, "In I have it on video. This is the best street car he's ever had on the track. Mm. It's so good. It may be as good as his race car was the commentary. Maybe as good as. Wow. So we have not put people behind the car while we perfected it. The car is now perfected. And we are going to start selling them. So demand will justify the business. What we have is six cars in production. I assumed that people are going to fall in love with this thing. Mm. And I, we are right now building six cars to the point where all they need is paint and interior picking wow. out the bespoke items. Yeah. So now you so, got a demonstrator. People can get in this, this spring and summer. You're so. going to find out really what the demand is, is I guess what I'm hearing. Yeah. That's it. And, I mean, think and of the, the market will in. follow. I, I mean, think of how many people have Hamptons houses in Manhattan. Right. And this is the perfect car for that, right? You know, kind of for the reasons I spoke about. Sure. Um, all over the place. There's a Jersey Shore, you name it, the, you know, Catskills. Uh, so this is going to be pretty fascinating to see how it works. Uh, what do you see as like, you know, there's companies out there that are now building kits, EV conversion kits for like a mini. It's about 20,000 bucks. You can get one for an old Rover. I think they're making them for MGs. Uh, Carmen Ghia's 
is this going to keep growing? You know, it's, um, I have an electric dirt bike. I've been riding dirt bikes my whole life. So I bought an electric dirt bike. Super fun. I love this thing. Super fun. There's no maintenance. I go out. It's perfect torque. It's quiet. I, I mean, didn't know how much I would love it. So I understand some of the de- the desire for this stuff. And I'm just wondering, I guess there's more people, you know, a lot of people in my world, they, they really kind of lose their mind over the idea of this. But to me, I'm like, wait, why would you not embrace it? This brings a whole new segment of people into our hobby. And Absolutely. I know a dealer friend of mine, he, he sells 356s. He's like, if I had ones with the automatic transmission, he's like, I would triple my sales. Might not be my thing, but come on in is the way I kind of look at it. Do you see this growing? Is this going to keep going or is it just a fad? So I think it's going to have exponential growth. Oh, Because it just, you can't deny the ability to take a 30-year-old car, be it a 911, be it a a Land Rover, 110, a 90, be it a Carmen Ghia, be it whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And make it basically an everyday driver. I could take a 60-year-old car and turn it into an everyday driver. The question is, who's doing it right? Who's doing it, but doing it in a way that changes the way this is looked at? So there's a company, the same guys that I mentioned that I partnered with for our drivetrain. Sure. They make a kit for the Mini. Yeah, yeah. But they but they do it with BMW. So they are literally partnered with or they're the only OEM official partner. Yeah. That BMW actually advertises and puts in the mini. In the UK. Oh, wow. They also are partnered with Morgan. These guys are ISO 14,001, 9,001. We, what Bobby said to me, he's like, Phil, if we're going to do this, we have to do it right. We have to have a partner that has the technological know-how sure. and, and let's call it horsepower yeah. to offset Bobby's capability in terms of dealing with the Porsches. So that's Felton. Um, and, but to I, your point, they're the best. I think you got to have something because the voltage is pretty high and it's dangerous. You know, the nice thing about a car is it's 12 volts, right? It's, you know, just yeah. going to scare you. You can, you can lick it. Yeah. yeah, It's not going to kill you. But now you got these things. What's the voltage in yours? 480 volts or is it higher? It's 400. 400, it's 400. volts. Yeah. Serious. It's a lot of volts. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think you want to have a professional do that. So do you, you see this even... You know, it'll trickle down and more and more people doing it. And this is a way to keep these cars on the road or, I mean, exponential is a, that's pretty fascinating that you're thinking that. Um, But let's, let's talk about it, right? Ultimately, mm -hmm. how many, 30 years from now, Mm -hmm. how many air-cooled mechanics are going to exist? 20 years from now. I don't like to think about that, Phil. Me either. (laughs) I mean, who's going to, so we were, we, we got called back from Pebble Beach by Skip Barber. So Bobby bought Skip Barber's facility right next to Lime Rock. Okay. And Skip called Bobby while we were at uh, Pebble Beach and said, Bobby, I need you to come home. And Bobby's like, okay, but why? We're thinking about going to Rensport. And he said, we're going to mic the track, literally put five mics along the straightaway on the track. We're going to run $100 million worth of cars around the track. And literally do an event called Sounds of Lime Rock. Wow, what a great idea. And we're going to end it 
with Bobby Singh driving the Blackbird with the top down, mm. no helmet on, and zip by electric in silence. Mm. So we raced back. We did it. The point that I'm making is there was a Larry Ariana's Ferraris were there, $100 million worth of cars. And there's one car, a $17 million Ferrari. Bobby was telling me there's a guy that maintains this car. When that guy dies, there's no one with the knowledge to keep repairing the car. It goes into a museum. Maybe. That, you know, um, we just did a piece on, on uh, people that are recasting Model T blocks. Sure. It won't be as common as you say. I, I hear your point. Um, I'm hoping it won't be dead, but it might. Right. We're going to have to have new ways to find, have fun for sure. All I'm saying is, and I'm not telling people to get rid of their air cooled. I'm not. What I'm telling everyone is that this is another arrow in your quiver of fun. This is your ability yeah. to maintain for future generations these cars in a way that's simple for them to continue to enjoy. Why? Oh, I get it, right? I totally understand. You're not saying one or the other. You're saying both and all and, both. and more avenues, yep. which is our message to two. We're all about, you know, saving, driving. I love to drive. Um, we get a lot of backlash, Phil, when we <laughs> publish this stuff. Like people really lose hate. their mind. A lot of hate. And I don't, I don't understand it. You know, I know a lot of the people that are about doing this stuff and they're people like you and they're enthusiasts and they love it just as much as everybody. And it's something new. Any sense where that's coming from? It's, it's easy. Everyone has an opinion. Mm. Everyone loves to be polarized and opinionated. Mm. And at the end of the day, I am not trying to convince a guy or gal that loves their vroom vroom. And we'll never drive EV. Okay, it's not for you. Mm. Different strokes. Sure. I'm not telling you you have to, but what I do tell you is this. Just sit in it. Drive it around a corner. Mm. So there's a thing that happens in this car, and I don't know why it happens. And I'm going to tell you something. It's strange. I, I, I say it to Bobby. I say it to the guys at Felton. I don't know whether it has to do with the differential. I don't know whether it has to do with the 295s in the rear. But I take the car and I go on a street where there's two lanes on the other side. And I hit the gas and the wheels spin and I get this thing sideways. And literally I'm counter steering to stop it from sliding. Because in a, in a, if, if you've ever driven an air-cooled 911, it's the easiest car on the planet to accidentally 180. Mm, yeah. So I start getting sideways about a 45 degree. You counter steer, you lay off the gas just a touch so the regen kicks in and the tires boing. It's the only word the I can think back. of. It, but it's a boing. It's like a, it's like a spring that all of a sudden catches mm. and the thing takes off like a rocket ship. So I literally make people do it with me because it's a giggle machine. You start laughing the second it happens. And now I just want to burn out tires. <laughs> Every time I get in the car, Bobby's yeah, like, what are you doing to these a, tires? It's an interesting point. Like, why aren't those Formula Drift folks using EVs? I mean, they'd be way more effective than, you know, they got these boosted turbo motors. An EV would crush it. No question. You I'm know. just saying there's something about this setup that Bobby did 
Mm. I don't know if it's the suspension. I don't know if it's the diff in the motor. I don't know what it is. It catches as if there's traction control, which there's not. I see. So there's something about this. This is the sum is greater or the sum is greater than all the parts. What is it? Yep. Something like that. Greater than all. Yep. That sounds about right. That's cool. That's really exciting. So uh, what else should we know about, you know, what would you, what else would you like to tell people about electric conversions? You know, we've talked a little bit about, you know, what it takes, the risks, where we see this is going. Anything else that that comes to mind? Um, Ultimately, it's a, it's an interesting way to maintain these cars forever. I get it. And I'm not saying, and I know I repeat myself all the time because a lot of people get upset about what and why. And the reality is we called it sacrilege because every single article that is written about this concept has the word sacrilege somewhere in it. And I went to a Porsche shop, not going to say where, it was in Pennsylvania, and asked the guy, you know, I'm going to need, with demand, I need guys to strip and paint. So Bobby and I will always do the final installations and so on, but everything we do is Porsche steel. We don't have to save weight. So if we're making a wide body, we're using OEM steel. If we're doing, so I basically was in this shop and I said, you know, we're thinking of doing blah, 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 blah. He goes, oh, that's sacrilege. I'm like, you know what? You just named the company. Thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you for the no, <laughs> but we're calling it sacrilege motors. Dirty trademark. It. It's already done. And it Here's is. 20 bucks. Go have some lunch. Yeah. Thank you. Have a nice day. Um, so the, the big question is, we're not going to convert the people that are unconvertible. That's yeah. fine. Everyone should try it. Yeah. The other thing that I think, I don't think folks really realize is we are such at the, you know, at Haggerty, right? We are um, kind of about older cars, classic cars, but we, we very deliberately puts, we have this section in the magazine that goes to now 800,000 people, future forward. Yeah. And why would we do that? I was like, we're in the, in the middle of the biggest transformation in cars in a hundred years. Everybody's, you know, going to be curious or should know. And um, so we're really at the infancy of this. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about minerals and can you get enough for all the batteries? The GM folks I've spoken to who have very aggressive electric, they they claimed, I don't know if this is true, there won't be any precious metals in their batteries in five years by 2030. You might know different, but these are some of the things that folks are working on. The other thing that I thought was really interesting when I was out at um, King of the Hammers, it's this big off-road dirt race sure. uh, in the Mojave Desert. They had this huge setup, Phil, with solar arrays plus a hydrogen-powered fuel cell. It was two semi-trucks. And there was a, yep. there was an, uh, somebody from Optimum Batteries there. I'm like, what are you doing? They're charging a bunch of Rivians, cyber trucks that were going out, and they were touring around the That's desert awesome. around the race. And so, awesome. you know, as a battery person, I said, hey, I've, I've got this. Uh, and this is happening in a new business, new industry. All of these companies, a lot of them, go out of business, right? My electric dirt bike, that company just declared bankruptcy. I'm like, is this thing going to be a brick when the battery goes? And he was very optimistic. He's like, you know, there's enough of this out there that there will be industries popping up that are going to service these batteries from different companies that all look different. And so to your point about this is how to keep these things on the road long term, 
I, I guess I'm agreeing with you. And I mean, you're watching the industry. Does that make sense to you? This is where we're at. It's it's an important aspect of the the concept. So yeah. our system is completely modular. Okay. All the batteries are literally off the shelf original brand new batteries in our battery box, these custom battery boxes. They're lithium, I and imagine, right? Li- of course. Yeah. And if need be, a single cell can be replaced. When I say single cell, they're actually prismatic. We'll move to individual cells down the road. And mm. what we also do, part of the the offering, we actually can offer insurance for a battery chemistry upgrade. Mm. So someone pays yeah. today to upgrade their battery chemistry once it's improved. At some point, we'll be at solid state. And that's what's kind of the most attractive. Seems that way. I mean, Harvard just announced that they've got a prototype solid state battery that showed really big promise. And Toyota says that's what they're working on. So so I've been in, in the stock market, as I mentioned, I own a broker yeah, yeah, dealer. Yeah. We've been involved in hydrogen fuel cells in the early 90s. Oh, yeah. Uh, solid state batteries have mm. been, since I've been in the industry, which is 1992 when I started, people have been talking about solid state batteries. So I don't know when it's going to happen, but one day it will. But what we are seeing is an improvement in battery chemistry. As we speak, the same footprint is 63 kilowatts today, could be double or at least 50% more tomorrow. Sure, There's a yeah. company called Calb in, in China. There's another one called Cattle. They're claiming that they've got higher energy density batteries. If we can put them in our, our vehicles, we will. Are you also, you're sort of taking advantage of the dirty little secret of a lot of these supercars in that they don't get driven very much. And, um, you know, the Bugattis are, are, you know, Rimac bought Bugatti essentially, and that's an electric vehicle company. And I can't remember what else. There's, there's a bunch of other EVs on the market, kind of those supercars. Sure. People don't travel in them. So the range is sort of like, who cares? I mean, they never go more than 200 miles anyway. Is that, these are the use cases that you're seeing of these things too? So you've got two big issues on a supercar and a, um, a usable vehicle. Yep. or a race car in a usable vehicle. In order to discharge a battery as fast as needed to do a zero to 60 in one point something seconds, you're not going to get that true longevity out of those batteries where you can get a 200 mile range. I see. For us, there's a balance. True. Our zero to 60 isn't two seconds. Our zero to 60 is under four, three point something. But at the end of the day, you will snap your neck to the yeah, back yeah. of the chair and it's uncomfortable and nauseating if you keep doing it. I've made myself sick in the car, literally made myself sick in the car where I got out of the car. I'm like, I got to stop because I'm going to throw up. I just keep hitting that gas. So ultimately, range is the critical component to me. Everyone says, well, how, how far can you go in it? And I'm saying 200 miles, 175 if you if you drive it hard. And people realize I don't really go more than that no. in a day when I'm taking out a sports car. This isn't a family car. You're not taking your family for a road trip. You're taking it out with your friends. You're going to an event. You're going home. You've got more than enough range for that. Yeah. Those supercars, if you take it on a track, these numbers drop dramatically. I bet. Yeah. 
Well, super cool. I am really excited to try it out. I'm super curious. Um, thank you for your time, and I wish See you the best of luck. And um, it's super cool. So thank you so much for being here, Phil. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me about it. Yeah. Okay, everybody, please rate us. Give us a rating. We'd love the feedback. And uh, we'll catch you next time on Never Stop Driving.